podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 10th of May, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're normally geo-blocked from. For example, UK expats wanting access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, or to watch their Sky Go outside the UK a Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you want to be and keep your data safe. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. And if you go to libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, you'll get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out both the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. It's Tuesday. So what we're going to do today is take a look at the... Winners and losers from the weekend's games. But first, we do have one game in the Premier League tonight. There are four games tomorrow night, and there is one game on Thursday night. Today is the last two-footed podcast until Thursday week uh, because I'm away. So today is the last one until the 19th, I want to say. Yes, the 19th. So might as well just preview this week's games. Um, Liverpool Villa. Villa with little to play for other than pride. Liverpool obviously still in the hunt for the Premier League title. You would imagine that Liverpool will make some changes from the team who played at the weekend against Spurs. And there will be one eye on the FA Cup final on the weekend. So it's a big game for Liverpool and it's an important game. But... At the end of the day, the title is still out of their hands. It is in the hands of Manchester City. And all Liverpool can do is win their games and hope that City drop points. If Liverpool don't win their games and City don't drop points, it wouldn't really have made any difference regardless. So it's a strange situation for the Reds to be in. I believe that they will try and win their last three games as well as the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, because that's the mentality of the team. But it's not catastrophic if they don't win tonight. It's it's title over, in all likelihood. But at the same time, they still have two cup finals that need to be the priority, because they are what they control. They control their destiny in the FA Cup. They control their destiny in the Champions League final. Win those two games you end the season with three trophies and nobody can say a word. 
FA Cup, League Cup and the Champions League, which is the biggest of them all. They could win their three league games, lose the two cup finals and end up with only the League Cup. So it's it's a balancing act for Klopp. But this season he has had a better squad and obviously the addition of Diaz in January and the ability they've had this season to rotate a bit more and keep players fit has made a huge difference. When you see a Liverpool team coming into the final five games of their season with no injuries, everybody fit, compare and contrast that with the last few years and you do see a massive difference. Villa are a weird team. They've been very hit and miss under Gerrard. 10 wins, 10 defeats, three draws. Take away what you'd class as the new manager bounce sort of feel and it's not great. It's six wins, eight defeats and three draws. So, you know, Gerrard will be under pressure next season. I think the aim at Villa is absolutely European football. I think that's one of the reasons they dismissed Dean Smith so early in the season because it looked like any chance of challenging for Europe this season was gone out the window. They moved on to Gerard. Gerard will face similar pressure next year. He's got work to do, but the foundations are there. Dean Smith left behind a strong squad, and Gerard has added Luca Dina to it, Callum Chambers as a squad player, and obviously Coutinho on loan. We'll wait and see if they keep him. Their focus is next season. Liverpool's focus is the here and now. I would expect Liverpool to win. I'll say 2-1 to the Reds. I think it should be a good game of football, though. Tomorrow night, then, Leicester versus Norwich. Nothing on the line for Norwich because they're gone. For Leicester, I mean, they're 14th, so pride is on the line. Uh, Losing at home to Everton at the weekend was shambolic. And their season, in truth, has been shambolic. No wins in the last five in the Premier League. Brendan Rodgers surely has to be coming under internal pressure. Having bottled top four in back-to-back seasons, not made up for it in Europe, got to the semi-final of the Conference League for what that was worth. Did win the FA Cup, and that might be what gives him a little bit of breathing room, but this is the club that sacked Claudio Ranieri what, eight months after he won the Premier League title? The Premier League title, not the FA Cup, the Premier League title. He won the Premier League title and got sacked. So Brendan wouldn't want to get too comfortable. Uh, Leicester's owners will not be at all happy with the fact that their team is in the bottom half of the table. And if Rodgers doesn't turn it around in the last four games, he may well find himself out of work in the summer. They do have winnable games. Uh, left, they've got Norwich at home, Watford away, Chelsea away, which could be winnable considering Chelsea's poor home form and it'll be off the back of the FA Cup final and they finish out their season at home to Southampton. I think Brendan needs to win at least three of them to go any way towards making this season, this season look at least respectable. He's currently lost 14 games this season. He's got a negative seven goal differential. Now, I know they had injuries, but there's no excuse for that. Yannick Vestergaard was fit most of the season. He wouldn't play him. Ryan Bertrand was fit for ages. He wouldn't play him. That's on him, not on anybody else. Uh, you'd expect Leicester to win this game because Norwich just aren't good. They're just not good, and Norwich are already relegated. Uh, Everton versus Watford. 
massive game for Everton. Watford are already down, so all the pressure's off, but Everton are are improved of late. They've won back-to-back games. They're now out of the bottom three. Leeds look like the team that might be the one heading down. I think... I think I'll back the Everton win. Initially, I thought Watford might get something here, but with them gone down, with how little Hodgson cares, I'll back Everton to win. Uh, Leeds at home to Chelsea. This one is strange because, well, Chelsea have an FA Cup final coming up. Now, you would normally have expected Chelsea to go there and win that comfortably, but what team is Thomas Tuchel going to put out? Does he go full strength? If he does, Chelsea should win it comfortably. If he doesn't, it could be another defeat. And then things get really tight at the top of the table where Arsenal and Spurs can really close ground on them. Those sides obviously meet Thursday. but And if Arsenal were to win and Chelsea failed to win against Leeds, Arsenal would jump them. If Chelsea don't win, they'll have 68 or the current 67 points and a Spurs win would mean there's only three points between Spurs in fifth and Chelsea in third. I still think Chelsea get top four because the running is fairly straightforward. They get Leeds, they get Leicester, they get Watford. Their games they should win. All games they should win, but you, you just don't know. Form is a weird thing, and Chelsea's form has been horrendous. Wolves against Man City. Difficult game for City. Obviously, Wolves caused them problems earlier in the season. City won the game on a dodgy penalty. You'd expect City to win, but Wolves showed a lot of fight and a lot of determination against Chelsea at the weekend. And at home, under under the lights, you know, in front of their own fans, maybe, maybe they can pull something off here. They're still in with a chance of European football, but they need to win all three of their remaining games and hope that United lose to um, Palace, lose or draw with Palace. And then Wolves could potentially sneak into the Conference League, but they would need to win all three of the remaining games, which seems unlikely. I think City will win the game, but a draw wouldn't surprise me hugely, but I'll go 2-1 City. And then finally, Thursday night, you get Tottenham Arsenal. Massive game, Tottenham have to win. Simple as that. If Arsenal win, Arsenal are top four. Tottenham have to win this game. They have no choice. They have to win this game. A draw won't be good enough for Spurs. They've got no choice. They have to win. They're at home. The pressure's on them. They're a better team than Arsenal. Quite frankly, they're a better team than Arsenal. They've got better players. They've got a much better manager. Arsenal have injury problems. I think Tottenham will win that game. I'll go 3-1 Spurs. And that take, that's the games for this week. Villa-Liverpool, Leicester-Norwich, Everton, Watford-Everton, Leeds-Chelsea, Wolves-City, and Tottenham-Arsenal. We've got nine Premier League games at the weekend. Then we get the cup final as well. I'll be back in time to talk about Aston Villa-Burnley. Chelsea, Leicester, and Everton, Crystal Palace, which are all on the 19th. Um, Liverpool will play on the Tuesday, the 17th, after playing their FA Cup game against uh, Chelsea. 
So Tottenham, Burnley, Wolves, Norwich, West Ham, City, Watford, Leicester, Leeds, Brighton, Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Brentford. Um, they're all Sunday games. There's no Saturday games because obviously the FA Cup final is on. There's no Saturday games. These are all Sunday games. And then you get Newcastle-Arsenal on the Monday. Massive game for Arsenal. If they've lost that game to Spurs, they can't afford to drop points away to Newcastle and then Southampton-Liverpool on the Tuesday. This City game against West Ham could be very, very interesting. If City were to drop points at Wolves, that would put massive pressure on them. Assuming Liverpool beat Leicester, or beat, beat Villa rather, if City dropped points at Wolves, they would go into that West Ham game needing the win. Anything else could gift the title to Liverpool. I expect City to win against Wolves, but that West Ham game, I think West Ham gets something from that game. I think that could end up as a draw. Now, that'll be enough for City to win the title, but I do think West Ham will get something there. West Ham need to get something there because they're trying to chase down United for sixth spot and a place in the Europa League next season. Their recent league form was dreadful, but they did beat Norwich to get themselves sort of back in the mix. They've got two games left. They quite simply need to win both of them to assure themselves Europa League. Um, a win and a draw might be enough, but I don't really necessarily want to go to Brighton on the last day needing the win. So I, I think they, they need to go out for the win against City. And I think they will. Right. Winners and losers then from the weekend. So, big winner, Manchester City. Liverpool drop points. City win their game. The one-point lead that they had at the top of the Premier League table is now a three-point lead at the top of the Premier League table. And it puts them in pole position, obviously, to retain their title. Uh, Arsenal, big winner. Their win over Leeds, coupled with Spurs drawing at Anfield, gives them a four-point advantage on Tottenham. That gives them breathing room, meaning that if they lose on Thursday night at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, they're still going to be in control of their own destiny for fourth. They just need to win their last two games away to Newcastle, home to Everton. Games they should win. Games that could be tricky, but games they should win. Last big winner then is Everton. Huge win over Leicester. Burnley lost, Leeds lost. Watford lost, so Watford go get their relegation confirmed. And Burnley and Leeds don't gain points, so Everton are able to jump not one, but both of them. Big win for Lampard, big win for Everton. Confidence building. They've still got a tough enough run. They don't have any easy games other than Watford. They should beat Watford, but you just don't know what these things... Everton's away form is dreadful, but Watford's home form is appalling. Watford haven't won at home since they beat United and got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sacked. Uh, but Everton haven't won away since, like, September. So maybe the draw is the result to put the bet on there. Brentford home won't be easy. Brentford are playing a lot better at the minute. Palace home definitely won't be easy. Palace are playing well. And then they go away to Arsenal. They really do need to get the win against Watford to give themselves a bit of cushion and two draws would probably be enough then 
in the Brentford and Palace games. Uh, losers then, Liverpool for sure, even though they drew, they still lost ground in the Premier League table. It's not as catastrophic as some people made it out to be, obviously, because they're still in the situation they were before. They still need City to drop points. That was the case before the Tottenham game. It's the case now. They just need City to lose now. And they need to win a couple of their games fairly heavily. Now, they've got Southampton coming up, which could be a game where they score a few, considering Southampton's just bizarre form. But, yeah, when you when you go from one point behind to three point behind, unfortunately, you have to go down in the loser category. Manchester United, uh, just because, because they've been absolutely abysmal this season. They have been laughably poor defensively. Not good going forward. Their midfield is non-existent. The whole manager situation has been a shambles. Even the process of getting Ten Hag has been a bit of a mess. You've got the current interim manager just doing press conferences where he lays waste to everything about the club and the club just sit back and go, okay, is that what he said? Great. You'd remove him in any of us. He went and he went and negotiated for another job while he was meant to be focused on doing the job at United. And you may miss Europa League because he's been too busy getting himself a gig with the Austrian FA. Laughable. Everything about the club right now is laughable. They are probably the biggest loser going in the Premier League. And finally then, Watford, because why is Roy Hodgson still in charge? The man was laughing after you got relegated. Laughing. Chuckling away with his Palace buddies. Walking around applauding the Palace fans and never even turned to look at the Watford fans. It's a scandal that he's still in charge. An absolute scandal. Any self-respecting club would have binned him out the door before now. And you failed to do that. So, yeah. Watford. You've been relegated as well. Big losers. Um, and that's that. Those are the winners and losers from this weekend. I mentioned Everton as one of the winners. And I said yesterday I want to talk about Leeds. And what I actually want to talk about is I want to talk about Everton, Leeds and Burnley, who are, realistically, it's one of those three is going down. Everybody else above them should be fine. It would be unusual for a team with 40 points to go down. So I think we can take it as a given that Southampton, Leicester, Newcastle, Brentford and Aston Villa are all fine, even though mathematically Everton could catch a couple of them. Um, look, Everton could catch all of that, that group. Uh, Burnley cannot. Burnley can catch up to Leicester, as can Leeds. But Leeds' goal difference is so poor that realistically Leeds can only catch up to Southampton. But Southampton have 40 points, so I think they're going to be fine. So I think it is, we can be fairly certain it's Everton, Burnley and Leeds. Everton on 35 points, Burnley and Leeds on 34. Burnley have the best goal differential of the 3-0. Everton have a game in hand, which could be an extra three points, obviously. So who's at worst? Who would be worst hit if they go down? From a financial point of view, it will be Everton or Burnley because Everton have been run in a catastrophic manner for the last couple of years. 
Now, Everton are still in a situation where they could face a points deduction to begin next season if they stay up because of their complete mismanagement and their inability to sustain a profitable football club. They have lost a hundred million more than you're allowed to lose under the Premier League's sustainability rules. So that's even after you take into account the fact they've written off far more than they really should have been allowed to as COVID losses. If Everton go down, it could be it could be a Sunderland situation where they plummet through the divisions. Because if you look at their squad, Pickford is not going down. Now, John Joe Kenny, Patterson, Holgate, I think they'd all be fine to go down. I doubt any of them are on massive wages. Michael Keane is on big money. So he doesn't have a relegation release clause. So you'd be paying him about 100 grand a week to play in the championship. Michael Keane, you're paying him 100 grand a week to begin with. Alan will go, Richarlison will go. I, I think Delph would stay, but again, no relegation release clause, also on about 100 grand a week. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin will be off. I think him and Richarlison are gone regardless. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, I think his contract runs out this summer, obviously hasn't played this season for uh, reasons that are best discussed with the Merseyside police. Uh, Damari Gray, I'd imagine he'll go down with them if they do go down, but it wouldn't surprise me if an offer came in because he's played quite well this season. Yerry Mina is not going down. Andros Townsend signed on big wages, doesn't have a relegation release clause and is out with a torn ACL, so he will be going down with them. Uh, Asmir Beg, which I believe is only in a one-year contract. Dukure won't go down. It will be could, but he's on massive money and he doesn't have a relegation release clause. Same thing goes for Michael Enko. Andre Gomes, I don't imagine, will go down. Ben Godfrey could. He's on decent money. Seamus Coleman will. He's on big money, but he's the cl- club captain and he's a legend. He'd probably take a sizable pay cut to stick around and help them try and come back up. Anthony Gordon will go down. He's not on big money, so that's fine. Uh, Gabamon would have to go on loan because he's on he's on big money and he's not going to want to play in the championship. And no one's going to buy him because of the injuries. Uh, Tom Davies would probably go down. Tucson's out of contract. Branthwaite would go down and he'd be useful. He, he could start for you in the championship. Uh, Rondon will be off. El Ghazi will probably go back to Villa. Uh, I don't imagine Deli Ali would want to play in the championship, but who's going to buy him? So that's probably a loan. And then Ellis Sims. You've also got Joe Virginia. Niels Nkunku and Moise Keane all out on loan. Moise Keane has a, has a second year of his loan to go. But Nkunku could be useful in the championship, as could Jeff Virginia. Now, the, the three big sales there, four, sorry, the four big sales there are going to be Pickford, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, and probably Yerry Mina. They're your big sales. I think a lot of the others that wouldn't want to go play in the championship you'd probably have to loan the likes of Andre Gomes, the likes of Gabamon, uh, the likes of Michael Keane. Either sell them at a big loss or you loan them out. And if you loan them out, you might still end up paying a bit of their wages. The problem for Everton is that what's left behind after those players isn't good enough to come back up. Oh, I, De Courier is another one that would be a big sell. 
let's say they get 25 million for Decoure, 55 for Calvert Lewin, 50 for Richarlison, and let's say 20 for Damari Gray and 30 for Pickford. There's around 200 million. But surely that has to go towards covering the debts that you've built up over the last couple of years to turn those losses into profits. Surely you can't actually spend a whole lot of that to improve your team in the championship. So you're left with a shell of a squad and probably not a whole lot of money to spend. Now, you may get a situation where they start panic buying because they're down and they start to panic buy in order to come back up. We've seen that happen before. We saw it most notably with Aston Villa. When they went down, they did a lot of panic buying and none of it worked. That's why they were down for as long as they were. I think we'd see the same thing with Everton. I genuinely think we'd see the same thing with Everton. I think we'd see a lot of panic buys and bad buys as well, because what's pretty clear is they don't scout well. They do not recruit well. When you've spent as much money as they have, and that's your squad, things have gone drastically wrong. If we look at Burnley, Nick Pope will go, but Wayne Hennessy, Will Norris and Sam Walker probably all, Waller all probably stick around. Not sure you've got a starting goalkeeper there, but you do have Bailey Peacock Farrell currently out on loan. I want to say at Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, he's back. So he's your first choice keeper with Nick Pope gone. In defense, Lawton would stay. I think Taylor would stay. Tarkovsky's gone either way on a free. Ben Mee will stick about. Connor Roberts will stay. Nathan Collins would stay. Eric Peters, Phil Bardsley, Kevin Long. I mean, the championship would suit them all a bit better. Bardsley probably will retire this summer. But Peters and Long are fine backups at the championship level. So they're only going to lose Tarkovsky. They're losing him either way. Uh, up front, Veghorst, I'm not sure on. Given they knew what the situation in the room when they signed him in January, it is possible he has a relegation release clause. Ashley Barnes, I believe, is at a contract, but would probably stay, as would Jay Rodriguez, as would Mattia Vidra. Um, Max Cornet, I don't know. He likely would want to go and play somewhere else. Um, but I don't imagine he's on massive money. Same with Veghorst. They're probably on somewhere in the 60 to 80 grand a week range. You could probably afford to carry the two of them into the championship, assuming they don't have relegation release clauses, which they probably do, considering Burnley have always operated on the side of caution. I would say a lot of their players will also have built-in relegation clauses that see their wages drop should they go down, unlike Everton, who never thought this was a possibility. Jack Cork will stay, Goodmanson will stay, Brownhill, Brownhill might go. There's been some interest apparently from West Ham looking for a Mark Noble replacement. Brownhill might go. I think Dwight McNeil will go, but he... Yeah, I think Dwight McNeil will go. Uh, Dale Stevens and Aaron Lennon should be released regardless. And Ashley Westwood's out injured for uh, the foreseeable future, so we'll wait and see what happens with him. But 
the only area they would definitely need to address is their midfield. Now, it would also be catastrophic financially for Burnley to go down from the point of view of they have to make a massive payment on one of the loans that the owners took out to buy the club if they go down. Now, they could cover most of that with the sales of Chris, um, not Chris Wood, uh, Nick Pope and Dwight McNeil. That would probably cover most of that payment. The issue then is it leaves no money to reinvest in the squad. So you'd have to start playing around the margins. The difference between them and Everton is they do recruit well. They know what they're looking for. A Burnley player is a very specific type of player. And I think Burnley would be better suited to going and scouting in the championship and in League One and getting players in. Burnley will be prepped for this. Burnley will have prepared for relegation for the last five or six years. Because when you're a club their size with their budget, staying in the Premier League in itself is an achievement. The expectation, maybe not internally, but certainly externally, at the start of each season is Burnley will go down or Burnley will be in the mix to go down. And I do think there'll be precautionary measures taken. So I think they'd be fine from a recruitment point of view, even on free transfers and stuff like that. They wouldn't lose a massive amount from their squad. Veghorst and Cornet are the, the iffy ones. They might loan them for a year and wait and see what happens, but then they'd have to replace them as well. And that becomes tricky to find players who will score you goals in the championship. But they'd be better off than Everton would. Everton will be a catastrophic mess if they go down. Leeds will be largely fine. And the reason Leeds will be largely fine is because most of Leeds' squad is championship caliber players. Now, Melier could go. There will probably be interest in him. He is a talented goalkeeper. He's just not ready to be playing in the Premier League yet. But if he goes, they do have another exceptionally talented young keeper in Christopher Clausen. Now, that's the only two senior goalkeepers they have at the club, a 21-year-old and a 20-year-old. That is a failing of Victor Orton. There is no senior experienced goalkeeper at the club. Kiko Casilla, I think they loaned him out. Yeah, to Elche. He should have been replaced by an experienced goalkeeper in the squad. In defence, Luke Ayling has always been a championship caliber player and he's looked like a fish out of water in the Premier League. Junior Firpo, they probably did a relegation release clause with him, with Robin Cock and with Diego Loriente when they brought them in. So they could sell the three of those. But I wouldn't be absolutely certain that all three would push to leave. Liam Cooper will stay. He's absolutely good enough in the championship, but again, he struggled in the Premier League. Pascal Struik will stay. And then they've got their three youngsters, Leo Hjelds, Charlie Cresswell, and Cody Drama. All very, very talented players. All ready to play. Now, the championship is obviously a very physical league, so there will be an, a period of adaption there for them. But that's not a bad group to go down with if you can, if you were to sell, say, Furpo, uh, Robin Cock, and Lorente and invest in one good left back, I think you'll be all right. Um, they've got a whole bunch of players out on loan as well, which is 
Lawrence de Bock, don't know much about him. He's a he is a left back. What age is he? Uh, twenty nine. He's been at Leeds since two thousand eighteen. Played seven games, so clearly, clearly not up to scratch. Uh, Leaf Davies, he's a decent player. He plays left back. They could use him. They could use him, for sure. Yeah, he could be the one to play left back. Um, so Leeds might be all right defensively and in goal, but they do need to add an experienced goalkeeper. The defence just wasn't good enough in the Premier League. It's as simple as that. I mean, Firpo's a decent player, but he had a bad season. Cock and Lorente have just been plagued by injuries since joining. And to be fair, Firpo's had some injuries as well. That's a failing from Victor Orta as well. Have you not looked at these players' injury histories before you've signed them? Like, everybody knew Lorente's flaw was that he had injury issues. That's why he stayed in Spain as long as he did, because other clubs looked at him and thought, he's too fragile. He missed 11, 17, and 9 games in his three full seasons at Real Sociedad. In his season on loan at Malaga, he missed 13 games. And that's just league. That doesn't even factor in cup games, European games, whatever else. Really good player. Really, really good player. But frequently injured. And Robin Koch is similar. He had one season of Freiburg where he didn't have injury issues. He's missed over half of Leeds league games last season and half so far this season. Firpo, maybe you could give them a pass because he's been sat on the bench at Barcelona for the last couple of years. And it's difficult to know when he was injured and when he wasn't, but at Real Betis, he missed 14 league games in his one full season there. So that that should be a red flag. Um, the fact that they didn't sign a right back of Premier League calibre also failing by Victor Orta. In the midfield area, Adam Forshaw, fine in the championship. Rafinha will be gone. Uh, Dallas, Dan James, Jack Harrison, they'll all be fine, I think, to go down to the championship. I don't see any of them pushing to go. Harrison joined Leeds when they were a championship team on his first loan. Dan James has been in the championship, and probably that's probably his level at the minute. But I don't know what the situation will be with relegation clauses. It is possible that Leeds have them in their contract because as a newly promoted team, you would like to think they have the intelligence and the the foresight to think that this might happen to us. We might go back down in the next couple of years and we need to protect ourselves. They've got a ton of talented young players like Bate, Somerville, McKinstry, McCarran, Shackleton and Jenkins. And they've got Matthias Glish, who'd probably be all right to go down with them as well. So Rafinha and Calvin Phillips are the two they'd lose from the midfield. I think they'd probably lose Bamford. I think they'd probably lose Rodrigo. Roberts, Gellhart and Greenwood would all go down with them. But when you look at that group of strikers, it's a massive failing by Victor Orta to not have a backup number nine. I mean, we'll pass over the fact that he overpaid for Rodrigo, who hasn't who hasn't been good. Um, there's no number nine other than Bamford. 
Gellhart, yeah, sure, but he's he was 18. He's a child. He's years away from being ready to start regularly. And Greenwood, the same. Very, very talented players, but not ready to start in the Premier League. And this is one of the issues with Leeds. You know, you've got... You've got a group of championship-level players. You've got a group of kids. But how many actual Premier League players do you have? No keeper. You've got two kids. No, no Premier League-caliber keeper. Melier potentially Premier League calibre, but 21. And look at the mistakes this season. So no Premier League calibre keeper. No Premier League calibre right back at the club. You brought in Firpo, Cock and Loriente, that's fine, but all three injury prone, but you're still missing one in defence. In midfield, I think Harrison is Premier League calibre. Phillips is Premier League calibre. Rafinha is Premier League calibre. And the rest are championship and kids. And up front, you've got Bamford and Rodrigo's good enough to play in the Premier League. He just hasn't done well at Leeds. And the rest are championship or kids. Tyler Roberts, championship, the other two kids. Tyler Roberts is still only 22 as well. It's mad. He's been around for years. Leeds signed him four years ago. Um, There's not enough Premier League caliber players in this Leeds team. I think Matthias Glitch has done well in the Premier League. Like Dallas has done okay because he's just okay. He's going to miss most of the next season as well, by the sounds of things. Um, but there's just a shortage of Premier League caliber talent at Leeds. Proven Premier League caliber talent. And of, of the ones that are, like I said, Firpo came from Spain, Cox from Germany, Llorente from Spain, Rafinha from Brazil. Bamford and Phillips are the only two who had actually proven it in the Premier League, or in England, rather, in England. And Phillips came through the academy. Now, was Bamford there before Orta, or is he a Victor Orta? He might be a Victor Orta signing. When did he he join Leeds? Yeah, so he did sign Bamford. So Bamford is the one, the one from the from England that he signed. All the rest are overseas. I just think he's failed massively to build a good enough squad for managers to, to work with. Like I get the loyalty to Ailing and Cooper, they're your vice captain and captain, respectively, but they're squad players at the at the Premier League level. So is Stuart Dallas. So is Matthias Glitch. These are these are squad players at this level. They're not starters. And you know, as great as it is for Leeds to have all of these excellent young talents that they've been able to snap up over the years, these guys are are kids that are a couple of years away. Maybe in three, four years, Leeds have this wonderful team with Leo Yeld and Cresswell and Drama and, and Davis at the back and, and Melier or Klassen in goal and a midfield with Somerville and McKinstry and Bate and McCarron and Jenkins and Gelhart and, and, and Greenwood up front. And maybe it's great, but that doesn't help you in the here and now. 
the one good thing from Leeds' point of view is they've got nobody out of contract this summer who was part of this year's squad. But by Lord, there's, there's just, there's an awful lot of mistakes that were made this summer and last summer. I mean, the decision to pay that much money for Dan James, I'm sorry. I, like, there's, there's something about him. Like, obviously, his pace is incredible. But you're paying 25, 30 million for a guy who started life at Manchester United in unbelievable fashion and very quickly got found out and hasn't developed. He is purely a pace merchant. And that's fine if he's going to be used in wide areas, but he's had to play through the middle most of the season because Victor Orta didn't buy a striker to back up Bamford. I think Leeds are the best. Leeds will be in the best position if they go down because financially they'll have planned for this. I imagine all the contracts will include relegation release clauses. You've got a lot of young players there that you that are, are ready to contribute in some fashion in the championship. Most of your squad is championship level and you're going to lose Rafinha, Phillips and probably Bamford and maybe the three defenders as well, but you'll be able to reinvest quite a bit of that money. So I think Leeds are the one that could go down and come straight back up. Burnley could go down and probably solidify themselves in mid-table and maybe build for the following year to come back up. Although if they keep Veghorst and Cornet, they could come back up as well because goals are just a, the most valuable quantity. Um, and then Everton, I just think would be, I think they'd be a train wreck because of their finances. I just think it would be a disaster if they went down. If things stand, I think Leeds look like the one who will go down, but you just don't know. I mean, they've got Chelsea home, Brighton home, Brentford away. That's really tough. Really, really tough. Burnley's isn't easy either. Tottenham away, Villa away, Newcastle home. I could see them taking four points. I don't see Leeds taking four points. I really don't. And if they do, they, they need to take five or six because their goal difference is just so poor. I mean, they're minus 35. Burnley's is minus 17. So you're not making up 18, 18 goals. Uh, even if Burnley get tonked a couple of times, they're not going to make it up because they'll get tonked themselves at least once. I do think it's going to be Leeds. It's a shame, but I do think it's going to be Leeds. And you have to ask the question, did they wait too long on Bielsa? And Look, I, I said at the time I would have let Bielsa just run it out because... He, I think he I think he deserved it. I think what he'd done for the club was incredible. But at the same time, bigger picture, yeah, they were probably right to make the change. And Jesse Marsh has won three games and drawn two since taking over with, with four defeats. But if they brought him in early, I mean, how early is the thing? Like it wasn't going to make a difference against Tottenham, against Liverpool, against United, but it maybe could have made a difference against Everton, against 
Newcastle in January before Newcastle got going, maybe it could have made a difference if they'd made the change a month earlier. I think Leeds go down. I think they come back up. I don't think they lose. I think they probably lose five players. Now, the problem is Victor Orta will be the one in charge of recruitment, and Christ knows what he'll come up with. But Jesse Marsh, I think, will have a very firm idea on what he wants and who he wants. I think Bielsa was more, you know, this is the profile of player I want. Go and find me that player. Whereas I think Marsh will know sort of exactly who he wants. So I think Leeds, if they go down, they come back up. Burnley potentially could come back up, but Everton, I think, would be... I think it would hit Everton the worst. I also think it would affect the Everton fan base the worst. Burnley fans don't feel like they have any right to be in the Premier League. Burnley fans are just enjoying the ride. Leeds fans, I think, got so used to being in the lower leagues. And much of the this generation of Leeds fans had never been in the Premier League before. So they hadn't been in the league since, what, 04? So you've, you've got 16 years there of people in Leeds growing up in the lower leagues. So kids that were, you know, even 8, 10, 12 when Leeds went down, their initial years as real football supporters and real match goers came in the lower leagues. So I think every, every Leeds fan who's probably 28, 29 and younger, again, don't really feel like they have some right to be in the Premier League. So I think their fan base will take it best. Everton's will take it dreadfully. Like, they might set Goodison Park on fire. It, it will be an absolute circus if Everton go down. The other thing is, Leeds go down, they've got a manager who's good enough to bring them up. Jesse Marsh is a very good manager. Burnley go down with a clean slate. Burnley go down with no manager. Burnley can then appoint a manager in the summer based on work that they're already doing now. Burnley will know who they're going to have in charge. If Everton go down, they've got Lampard. If Everton stay up, they've still got Lampard. So Everton, every way you line it up, it doesn't look good for Everton. Even if Everton stay up, I still think Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are gone. I still think both of them will leave. And would you trust that club to reinvest any money properly? Like, unless he can find a loan from Chelsea, Lampard's recruitment doesn't exactly scream of being particularly good. Like, you look at the players he signed for Chelsea, Havertz hasn't really worked. I know he scored the Champions League final, so that in itself is very good. But Werner hasn't worked. Zayic hasn't worked. There is zero chance he knew who Edward Mendy was. People have fallen over Thiago Silva, but I mean, the back three is there because of him and it has a negative effect on the rest of the team. They're going to finish third at best. Yeah, they won a Champions League. Great. Congrats. But I don't think his recruitment was good there. His recruitment at Derby was quite good, largely Tamori and Mount, who he knew from Chelsea. Uh, Unless Chelsea are going to loan him a player, uh, I think he's in trouble. 
I think I think Everton are going to be in trouble next season as well. Um, right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we've got the news, we've got the gossip, and we will be done for today. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. Uh, one piece of major news for Chelsea is that Bruce Book is set to remain as the chairman as part of the prospective New Look board. Um, this is obviously part of the Todd Bowley takeover. Uh, Daniel Finkelstein, Barbara Sharon, they will take on roles as non-executive directors. Uh, Bowley, Book and whoever else is part of this um consortium will take on the main roles on the board uh jonathan goldstein though will not have a seat on the board which is unusual uh he wants to take <laughs> here we go sources have suggested he would prefer to take on a less high profile position given some fans opposed his involvement because he's a tottenham fan oh brilliant brilliant Chelsea fans are in for a bit of a rude awakening. I genuinely do. I think they're in for a bit of a. I think they're in for a bit of a, a rude awakening um, over the next couple of months as to where their club is going and, and what they're going to be moving forward. Really good piece here on the BBC, written by John Nazuri. AC Milan's Mind Room, the story behind an innovative psychology lab. Do give this a read. It's really, really fascinating. And it's about the lengths that Milan went to in the 80s and 90s to develop the psychological side of the game and make their players, you know, that bit stronger mentally. Really, really good. Berlusconi and Saki put it in place. Absolutely outstanding. Give that a read. Really, really good. Um, Ange Postacoglu says, jokes that prompted a walkout at Sunday's Scottish Football Writers Association dinner were not appropriate. But the Australian who received the Manager of the Year award says it should be a teaching moment for the organisers in Scottish football. The SFWA has apologised after some guests described jokes by a speaker as sexist, racist and homophobic. Bill Copeland was the guy who gave the speech. I don't know who Bill Copeland is. So apparently he's an ex-solicitor. Um... He's accused of making sickening remarks about women, homosexuality, and the Japanese. He made racist quips about Japanese players. Right. This man should not ever be hired to do an after-dinner speech at all, ever again. That is a, that's a fairly shocking development coming out of Scotland. Um Alexander Zinchenko has invited 
the Ukrainian re uh, refugee, a 10-year-old child, to train at Manchester City. This is a really nice story. Uh, Zinchenko posted it on his Instagram. The BBC have a piece up about it as well. Really, really good. Zinchenko seems like a really good sort. He really does seem like a good lad. Unlike some of the crybabies that he works with, uh, he seems like a really good lad. Jurgen Klopp has disagreed with Pep Guardiola's comments about how the, the vast majority of the media supports Liverpool. Clearly nonsense. Pep just wanted a reason to have himself a big old cry. Uh, but there is that, you know. Uh, Non-football, sort of football related. Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rooney are up in court, in the high court, for their libel case. So Rebecca Vardy has brought a libel case against Colleen Rooney. Colleen Rooney. You all remember that night on Twitter when Colleen Rooney put up the big post about how someone had been leaking stories about her, so she set her Instagram to private and only one person was able to view the stories. And she put some fake stories up there about something to do with the basement flooding and I think a gender selection thing for a pregnancy or something like that, I don't know. But basically she came out and said, the only account that could see it who leaked these fake stories to the sun is Rebecca Vardy's account. And Vardy has brought her to court over this. Now, I will say Vardy is on thin ice here because thus far, the person who manages her social media has lost the password. Uh, her agent lost her phone. Uh, Jamie Vardy can't remember where the phone or what the phone number was he was using at the time. And other stuff is on a laptop that apparently is no longer working. It, it all strikes as somebody desperately trying to cover the tracks. Uh, Rebecca Vardy does appear to have been the one behind this. I will say the um, Wagatha Christie uh, name that has been given to Colleen Rooney, I think that's quite funny. But yeah, this case should be interesting. And what if, what if Rooney and Vardy are in the court together? Could we get a scrap? That could be fun. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday are out of the League One playoffs. They lost to Sunderland 2-1 on aggregate. Sunderland with a 93rd-minute goal yesterday in the 1-1 draw after the 1-0 first leg win to see them through. Uh, MK Dons also out, beaten by Wickham. So a Wickham-Sunderland playoff final. Sunderland, their fans have been through a lot. If you haven't seen it, Sunderland Till I Die is really good. Like, really, really good. Do watch that. But Wickham are a lovely little club. And uh, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Wickham. So not really not really overly pushed who comes up. Either of those will make good additions to the championship along with Wigan and Rotherham. Another good piece here, Dementia in Football, Mouthguard Study on Heading Impact Extended. So do check that out. It's just quite interesting. And there's a bunch of links that you can you can click on there to read more about. All well worth your while having a look into. It is something we need to look at more in the sport. There's been a spike in concussions and things like that in recent years. There's also been 
more and more former players being diagnosed with things like dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff as a result of heading a football and different things. So do check those things out. Um, on to the gossip and we'll finish up here. Bayern Munich are planning a summer move for Sadio Mane. Wouldn't be a surprise. He's out of contract in 2023. There hasn't really been any talk of a new deal. So we'll wait and see. Uh, I think Mane would have probably left a couple of years ago, if not for the pandemic. So it may be that Liverpool cash in this summer. Uh, Liverpool have had no contact with the German club so far, but it is kind of apparently being talked about among the intermediaries. Arsenal are ready to explore a move for Raheem Sterling if Manchester City agreed to sell him. Not really sure where he played for, for Arsenal, but he's certainly a top player. But when you've got Saka, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Martinelli, you need a striker. He's not a striker. Now, you could move Martinelli into that number nine role. I don't think it's the best use of him. You could play Sterling off the left. That could work very well. Uh, the Gunners have opened talks with Mohamed Elneny about a new deal. That's a, that's a clever move. Um, good, good, solid squad midfielder. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain fears for his Anfield future as he's not been approached about a new deal and has not played since 20th March. It is time for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to move on and hopefully he finds himself a new club this summer and goes on and has a productive end to his career. He's got four, five, six years left. Go and play, son. Stop sitting on the bench. Uh, France midfielder Paul Pogba, whose Man United contract runs out, has told Manchester City he does not intend to join them it was fun while it lasted. Uh, Everton are the favourites to sign Eddie Nketiah. Be a good signing. Different type of striker to what they have, and that fits a need for them. Thomas Tuchel is expected to be told he will receive the backing of the club's incoming owners. Chelsea fans running away with themselves thinking this means massive financial support. It doesn't. It just means he's got a job next year. Roman would have sacked him by now. If Roman was still calling the shots and Chelsea were having as bad a season as they are domestically, I know they're in the cup final, but Roman doesn't care about the cup final. Um, Roman would have sacked him. Newcastle boss Eddie Howe will listen to offers for up to 10 players in the summer, including Jamal Lachelles. Aston Villa have made an initial £12 million bid to sign Phil Coutinho. That's nonsense because they already have a pre-agreed option to buy they have to let that expire before they can negotiate anything else that I believe expires on June 30th so they either pay that or they have to work around it uh, Chelsea defender Jake Clark Salter is wanted by Leeds and PSV Eindhoven after impressing on a loan at Coventry decent defender uh, championship level for sure PSV could be an interesting move for him given him an opportunity play at a higher level and maybe at a higher level something triggers with him as a kid he looked like he could be a potential first team defender for Chelsea but some of the loans he was sent on weren't great and weren't of a high enough level really in truth um, and he sort of just fell into playing in the championship and became a championship level player Barcelona boss Xavi says the financial position ruled him out of signing Erling Haaland Manchester United have asked their agents to find them the best free transfers this summer. Why are they doing that? All you need to do... Uh, listen, let, listen let, let me save you a bunch of money, Manchester United. Open Google. Type in 
2022 out of contract players. It gives you transfermarket.co.uk and a full list of players who are out of contract this summer. Mbappe, Pogba, Kessie, Debala, Rudiger, Christensen, Dembele, Belotti, Kamara, Tarkovsky, Lacazette, Lingard, Ramagnoli, Masraoui, Luis Felipe, Jason Denninger, Florian Grilich, David Brooks, Angel Di Maria, Christian Eriksen, Quarantine Taliso, Federico Bernadeschi, Chancellor, no, is it Chancellor Bemba? Is that his name? From Porto? The guy who turned out to be like 40 or something like that. Andre Onana, Sean Longstaff. Now, some of them have agreed pre-contracts to go anywhere, but uh, the rest of them are still out there. So there you go. I've, I've saved you time and money now. You're welcome. Um, Red Bull Salzburg and Germany striker Karim Adeyemi is close to a move to Borussia Dortmund. We've known that for a while. Uh, Sunderland are plotting a move to sign Job Bellingham, younger brother of Jude Bellingham. I doubt it. I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. He's just made his debut for um for Birmingham he becomes the second youngest player to ever play for Birmingham's first team after his brother I genuinely don't think he is going to I don't think he's going to leave unless he's going to go to Dortmund or wherever Jude ends up next summer I think he's going to stay at Birmingham for a couple of years uh, championship side Birmingham City are close to being bought by a British businessman while the position of Lee Bowyer is under threat. Is the position of Lee Bowyer? I know they haven't had a great season, but I mean, I think in the circumstances, Bowyer should probably be all right. The 10 points outside the relegation zone. Yeah, it's not a good season, but I mean, have you seen the squad? It's it's not good. <laughs> It's not great at all. I mean, there's some talented players, but a lot of loans. I don't know that. I don't know that um, his position should be under threat at all. I mean, look what he was. Look at the backing he was given in the summer. Free transfer, free transfer, free transfer, free transfer, free transfer, all from championship or below uh Troy Deeney on a free um fella from Dulwich Hamlet who are non-league uh and then Janino Bakuna from Rangers who Gerard signed in the summer didn't work out there good player now don't get me wrong decent player was good for Huddersfield um didn't work out at Rangers moved on he's the only player they spent any money on in the last 12 months. So I'm, I'm just not sure that his position should be under threat. Anyway, Middlesbrough are prepared to let English keepers, Joe Lumley and Luke Daniels leave during the summer with both players having only a year left on their contracts. Um, okay. Fair enough. That'll do. I will see you all next Thursday, the 19th of May when the Premier League, title race could either be building to an epic finale on the final day or it could be over it could well be over both Liverpool and City will play twice before I speak to you again and uh, we should also have clarity on the fourth place battle on the relegation battle it could be a boring last day it really could be a boring last day if all those things are wrapped up but I'll be back on the 19th 
Take care of yourselves. And remember, don't go anywhere. Listen back to the old podcasts. If you, if you miss me, listen back to some of the old ones. There's some good interviews back in the archives. Um, one with Tom Flight was really good. Go listen to stuff like that. And uh, Tadiwa will have his show as well. So listen to that. And I will see you in just over a week. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.